Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast from Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to get into God's Word every single day, so we decided to read through the Bible chronologically and talk about it together. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea, and this is God's Whole Story podcast. I'm here with my co-host Ryan, and we have Pastor Matt Mylan with us today. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> So today we're talking about um, Jacob's death, the blessings that he gives Joseph and Joseph's sons and the rest of the sons of Israel, and what that means for the nation of Israel and for us today as we kind of study Genesis. Um, So one thing that I noticed as we are starting off is that Jacob gives Joseph um, this note of humility. So Joseph's dream about his parents bowing down to him when he was like a kid, when he was like 17, um, it's kind of coming to fruition here with Jacob bowing humbly before Joseph in verse 31. And so now we see all of Joseph's dreams that he had, they actually happen, this gift that God's given him. And the other thing I noticed too was this blessing between uh, Ephraim and Manasseh and the parallel between them and also Jacob and Esau. So Jacob steals Esau's firstborn blessing. And in this passage, um, the blessing isn't stolen, but Jacob very obviously gives that blessing to the secondborn son, Ephraim. And Ephraim's going to be a great nation, uh, a great tribe of Israel. And actually from Ephraim comes Joshua, who we'll learn about in Exodus. Actually, does he come up in Exodus? <laughs> Joshua? Yeah. Where's the Deuteronomy? He's like first of years in Deuteronomy. Don't fact check us right away, guys. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do think one of the interesting things Chris talked about the other day um, was that a lot of times we don't think of the fact that there are Africans involved in this um, Israelite story. Uh, and these are those Africans. Like, this is, these are Joseph's sons that came from Egypt. Mm-hmm. So, that's very interesting to yeah. me. It's like kind of interesting to follow that line because it's just that, that that's actually a thought I've never had before. So yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah. And then we go into the blessing section. And Matt, what are some of your thoughts about Jacob's blessing for his sons? Yeah, it's such a significant t- moment in Genesis 49. I mean, it's almost the whole chapter. And it's a very um I don't know, you call it a blessing, but a few of them are, don't really seem like blessings. Like for Reuben, it kind of calls out his main worst decision that he's ever made, probably. And so I, it, I step back and think, okay, as a, as a parent, Jacob was a parent over these sons. He blessed them. This kind of final moment before he's going to pass away. And you can read this all throughout the Old Testament. There's these moments of blessings, these words. And so as a parent of three kids of my own, I think about what are the power of my words? There's instruction you give, there's correction you give in the everyday uh, kind of managing parenting, the highs and lows and the good, the bad, and the ugly. But then those moments when you want to really speak into your children and the power of words in that moment, I do think about my wife, Kelly, she's so good at writing notes and those words that are written down for our kids or whoever she's writing a note to, they can be like a a word of encouragement and those words last beyond just a spoken word. And so it teaches me as I'm reading this again, do I use my words and, and do I make it a moment to really encourage my kids? And we're in the stage of life when they're 16, 18, and 20 right now. So 
Uh, I'm not planning on passing away anytime soon. <laughs> but do you want to give them a blessing right now? <laughs> I do. But I do think about there's a there's going to be a new season where they're going to be much more independent, you know, as they transition out of our home into their full independence. And I don't want to miss those moments when you can use the power of words to just encourage, send out. So I was reading the the last one, Benjamin. Um, a ravenous wolf, that was probably a compliment to him, even though it doesn't really sound like one to us, but devouring enemies in the morning, dividing the plunder or the spoils in the evening. That's such a great piece of advice. It's a word picture that when you're young, don't squander your time, don't squander opportunities so that when you're old, you can enjoy the, you know, the value of your hard work or the result of your hard work. So taking that, I'm putting myself in Benjamin's, like that would just be a guiding, um, word of direction, encouragement, I think that would be so powerful. Uh, the, the blessings are, the, the blessing part, like actually as you're reading it and like, especially in the context of us reading this, like several, like, you know, just read from the beginning to the end. It's like, man, you get this really awesome family narrative the whole way through. It kind of actually culminates in Jacob blessing these sons. It's, it's very cool. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I love it. Like, just how this whole story comes together in this moment. Um, and specifically what sticks out to me in those blessings is uh, when he talks to Judah, first of all, Judah actually has made some pretty bad choices. Um, and so he's a little bit more fortunate than maybe Reuben, who like we haven't necessarily forgotten his bad choices. Yeah. With Judah, there's like this clear, like good word on him. Uh, but it's not just a good word. It's actually something we can look forward to. He says, this scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. Guys, that's that's Jesus. Like, Jesus is coming. This is a, an instance uh, from the very beginning, like in Genesis, we're getting a glimpse that Jesus will come and he will be the king of all kings, um, just like God has promised to Abraham at the very beginning of Genesis. So that kind of stuff just gets me really excited. Uh, that kind of stuff, I think, brings a lot of context to our faith. We don't we don't get our faith from like a Christmas story. We get our faith from this huge sweeping narrative that God's been doing. I, I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, it was very cool to see. The other thing I saw with Judah too, with, well, David comes from Judah's line. And that first verse of your brothers will praise you, you will grasp your enemies by the neck, all your relatives will bow before you. David was known for his like war conquests and um, how successful he was as a king. And I think that kind of points to him too. Of course it points to Jesus, but like Mm -hmm. to kind of look through this line of Kings that will come from Judah. um, Jacob's not wrong. (laughs) He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I think because he's looking to that promise that, 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 you know, throughout Genesis, as we've read it, that promise that God gave to Abraham has been repeated so many times Mm -hmm. that they, they don't forget like, there is a blessing on them as a nation. And we're getting a picture of this nation like becoming a kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very exciting to me. Yeah. yeah. One other thought, I just, I can't, I want to go back to that, how Jacob had this opportunity. Somehow he knew he was going to die and he didn't want to miss this opportunity. And so that's the other thing I think about, not even just with parenting, but just in life. What are those opportunities that uh, won't always be there in like if this didn't take place, I even think about when my dad passed away, we didn't have that final moment to say goodbye because it happened so suddenly. And there's things like that that happen in life that you can't plan for. But I also think when there are moments or opportunities to don't miss that opportunity, time is short. I think it's Psalm 90 that says, you know, teach us to number our days 
make the most of the moment. Don't miss those opportunities to speak into the next generation, speak into the people around you. And the impact that that has is you're saying this blessing was spoken here and it communicates what was going to come in the future. Yeah. And you spoke right up into the moment of his death. Like he did not waste any time. <laughs> hmm. uh, so one more final thought. There's, there's kind of like, I mean, maybe you've heard it, maybe not, but there's kind of a famous little verse in there about like right at the end of, of Genesis where um, what, what Joseph's brothers meant for evil, God meant for good. And it's kind of this, this cool picture of sometimes we go through really difficult things or we go through really challenging circumstances. Um, and sometimes people actually do intend evil for us. Uh, but God can use those things and redeem those things uh, to bring us out of those circumstances, you know, into a, a much bigger picture of his grace and his promise. So I'm sure there were many nights where Joseph sat in prison or eventually sat in his palace, maybe, and just thought about like how much evil had been thrown his way. But the faithfulness that that guy has to be able to continually look forward to the promise that God had for him and to continue to serve to him and not get tired or not get uh, discouraged. I mean, I'm sure he's probably discouraged, but he didn't give up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And to go back again to what we talked about a couple of days ago, how um, God's presence was with Joseph. And he could have ignored God's presence. He could have done his own thing, but he continually praised God, gave God credit for when he was able to interpret dreams and his success in Egypt. And it just, it didn't stop. Even when he got the upper hand, so to speak, over his brothers, he still was like, nope, like this was all part of the plan. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And you also probably read this a few days ago. It all started with Joseph having a dream. Yeah. Yeah. And he had this picture. Of course, he didn't have the right interpretation (laughs) at the beginning. (laughs) But I wonder if that's why we see so often how he's just his emotions are so present because he thinks back. God actually gave him a dream as a kid. It went differently than what he most likely pictured, but here it was being fulfilled. And there's just this, these tears of gratitude and, you know, he's weeping so often. And so, I mean, young people, teenagers, even kids, I think they can get dreams for their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh not always know the plan of how it's going to unfold, but those dreams, pay attention to those, those desires that God puts deep inside you, the pictures that you get. Um, I, I remember when I was a kid, I had a picture of being up, you know, on stage leading worship and I was so shy as a kid. So I remember telling my parents that and I, they probably thought, this is ridiculous, you know, <laughs> direct me to do something else. Just cause I could barely look at someone in the, you know, keep eye contact mm-hmm. with somebody, but I had this dream, you know, dream or picture of it. And, um, you know, God took me on a journey. That's very cool. So cool. Yeah. yeah. Guys, uh, leave us a comment. Tell us what are, what are, what are some dreams maybe that, that you've seen? Like what are, what are ways that, uh, you've seen God at work maybe in the past that just gives you a faithful promise to look forward to? Um, thanks so much for listening today. Uh, we have definitely enjoyed going through Genesis. This is the end of Genesis. Yeah, we start Job tomorrow. We start Job tomorrow, Intimidating man. and exciting. Buckle up. So it is Job, not Job. <laughs> it, it, it is okay. Job, I think. Good to I know. Think. Yeah. We're going so to Job. We'll have to Google it and get it to play the sound or whatever. So, all right, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Genesis 47, beginning in verse 28. Jacob lived for 17 years after his arrival in Egypt, so he lived 147 years in all. As the time of his death drew near, 
Jacob called for his son Joseph and said to him, Please do me this favor. Put your hand under my thigh and swear that you will treat me with unfailing love by honoring this last request. Do not bury me in Egypt. When I die, please take my body out of Egypt and bury me with my ancestors. So Joseph promised, I will do as you ask. Swear that you will do it, Jacob insisted. So Joseph gave his oath, and Jacob bowed humbly at the head of his bed. One day, not long after this, word came to Joseph, Your father is failing rapidly. So Joseph went to visit his father, and he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. When Joseph arrived, Jacob was told, Your your son Joseph has come to see you. So Jacob gathered his strength and sat up in his bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. He said to me, I will make you fruitful, and I will multiply your descendants. I will make you a multitude of nations, and I will give this land of Canaan to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. Now I am claiming as my own sons these two boys of yours, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born here in the land of Egypt before I arrived. They will be my sons, just as Reuben and Simeon are. But any children born to you in the future will be your own, and they will inherit land within the territories of their brothers Ephraim and Manasseh. Long ago, as I was returning from Padamaram, Rachel died in the land of Canaan. We were still on the way, some distance from Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. So with great sorrow, I buried her there beside the road to Ephrath. Then Jacob looked over at the two boys. Are these your sons, he asked. Yes, Joseph told him. These are the sons God has given me here in Egypt. And Jacob said, Bring them closer to me so I can bless them. Jacob was half blind because of his age and could hardly see. So Joseph brought the boys close to him, and Jacob kissed and embraced them. Then Jacob said to Joseph, I never thought I would see your face again, but now God has let me see your children too. Joseph moved the boys who were at their grandfather's knees, and he bowed with his face to the ground. Then he positioned the boys in front of Jacob. With his right hand, he directed Ephraim towards Jacob's left hand, and with his left hand, he put Manasseh at Jacob's right hand. But Jacob crossed his arms as he reached out to lay his hands on the boys' heads. He put his right hand on the head of Ephraim, though he was the younger boy, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, though he was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm. May he bless these boys. May they preserve my name and the names of Abraham and Isaac. May their descendants multiply greatly throughout the earth. But Joseph was upset when he saw that his father placed his right hand on Ephraim's head. So Joseph lifted it to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. No, my father, he said, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused. I know, my son, I know, he replied. Manasseh will also become a great people. But his younger brother will become even greater, and his descendants will become a multitude of nations. So Jacob blessed the boys that day with this blessing. The people of Israel will use your names when they give a blessing. They will say, May God make you as prosperous as Ephraim and Manasseh. In this way, Jacob put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. Then Jacob said to Joseph, Look, I am about to die, but God will be with you and take you back to Canaan, the land of your ancestors. And beyond what I have given your brothers, I am giving you an extra portion of the land that I took from the Amorites with my sword and bow. Genesis chapter 49, verse 1. Then Jacob called together all his sons and said, Gather around me, and I will tell you what will happen to each of you in the days to come. Come and listen, you sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my strength, the child of my vigorous youth. You are first in rank and first in power. But you are as unruly as a flood, and you will be first no longer. For you went to bed with my wife, you defiled my marriage couch. Simeon and Levi are two of a kind, their weapons are instruments of violence. 
May I never join in their meetings. May I never be a party to their plans. For in their anger they murdered men, and they crippled oxen just for sport. A curse on their anger, for it is fierce. A curse on their wrath, for it is cruel. I will scatter them among the descendants of Jacob, and I will disperse them throughout the Israel. Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down, like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. He ties his foal to a grapevine, the colt of his donkey to a choice vine. He washes his clothes his clothes in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth are whiter than milk. Zebulun will settle by the seashore and will be a harbor for ships. His borders will extend to Sidon. Issachar is a sturdy donkey resting between two saddle packs. When he sees how good the countryside is and how pleasant the land, he will bend his shoulder to the load and submit himself to hard labor. Dan will govern his people like any other tribe in Israel. Dan will be a snake beside the road, a poisonous viper along the path that bites the horse's hooves so its rider is thrown off. I trust in you for salvation, O Lord. Gad will be attacked by marauding bands, but he will attack them when they retreat. Asher will dine on rich foods and produce food fit for kings. Naphtali is a doe set free they bears, that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is the foal full of a wild donkey, the foal of a wild donkey at a spring, one of the wild donkeys on the ridge. Archers attacked him savagely. They shot at him and harassed him. But his bow remained taut, and his arms were strengthened by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, by the shepherd, the rock of Israel. May the God of your father help you. May the Almighty bless you with the blessings of the heavens above and blessings of the watery depths below and blessings of the breasts and womb. May my fatherly blessings on you surpass the blessings of my ancestors, reaching to the heights of the eternal hills. May these blessings rest on the head of Joseph, who is a prince among his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf, devouring his enemies in the morning and dividing his plunder in the evening. These are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said as he told his sons goodbye. He blessed each one with an appropriate message. Then Jacob instructed them, Soon I will die and join my ancestors. Bury me with my father and grandfather in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite. This is the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre in Canaan that Abraham bought from Ephron the Hittite as a permanent burial site. There Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried. There, there Isaac and his wife Rebekah are buried. And there I buried Leah. It is the plot of land in the cave that my grandfather Abraham bought from the Hittites. When Jacob had finished this charge to his sons, he drew his feet into the bed, breathed his last, and joined his ancestors in death. Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. Then Joseph told the physicians who served him to embalm his father's body. So Jacob was embalmed. 
The embalming process took the usual 40 days, and the Egyptians mourned his death for 70 days. When the period of mourning was over, Joseph approached Pharaoh's advisors and said, Please do me this favor and speak to, speak to Pharaoh on my behalf. Tell him that my father made me swear an oath. He said to me, Listen, I'm about to die. Take my body back to the land of Canaan and bury me in the tomb I prepared for myself. So please allow me to go and bury my father. After his burial, I will return without delay. Pharaoh agreed to Joseph's request. Go and bury your father as he made you promise, he said. So Joseph went up to bury his father. He was accompanied by all of Pharaoh's officials, all the senior members of Pharaoh's household, and all the senior officers of Egypt. Joseph also took his entire household and his brothers and their households, but they left their little children and flocks and herds in the land of Goshen. A great number of chariots and charioteers accompanied Joseph. When they arrived at the threshing floor of Atad near the Jordan River, they held a very great and solemn memorial service with a seven-day period of mourning for Joseph's father. The local residents, the Canaanites, watched them mourning at the threshing floor of Atad. Then they renamed that place, which is near the Jordan, Abel Mizraim. For they said, this is a place of deep mourning for these Egyptians. So Jacob's sons did as he had commanded them. They carried his body to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre. This is the cave that Abraham had bought as a permanent burial site from Ephron the Hittite. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, Please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin is treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that, you can, that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. So Joseph and his brothers and their families continued to live in Egypt. Joseph lived to the age of 110. He lived to see three generations of descendants of his son Ephraim, and he lived to see the birth of the children of Manasseh's son Machir, whom he claimed as his own. Soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath, and he said, When God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. So Joseph died at the age of 110. The Egyptians embalmed him, and his body was placed in a coffin in Egypt. <laughs> 